Guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. As a way of beginning our year off on on, on the right foot, I'd like to just tease out a connection here between the Eucharist and wisdom, which is so clearly evident throughout our readings today. St. Paul challenges the Corinthians in our second reading. Watch carefully how you live, because the days are evil. What was true then is also true now. Yeah, culture has changed. Technology has changed. Thousands of years have passed. But human nature has not changed. We are as captive to the same kinds of foolishness captive to the same kind of sleepy drunkenness that Paul warns against now, even as we might have been then. To our predicament, to our predisposition towards a sleepy drunkenness, towards a a, a foolishness, an unwillingness to, to live well, the catechism speaks. The opening words of that collection of doctrine which we profess to believe as Catholics, begins with this sentence. The desire for God is written in the human heart because man is created by God and for God. And God never ceases to draw us to himself. Only in God will human beings find the truth and happiness they never stop searching for. Now, That seems like a commonplace statement, an obvious thing that we assent to as believers. But I think the world in general certainly would argue with that statement. What seems obvious to us is far from obvious to the wider world. Many would deny any such desire for God exists. God, if he exists, they might say, that's a reality that leaves me at best indifferent. It doesn't stir anything in me. It's hardly even worth commenting on or talking about, let alone pursuing wholeheartedly, let alone treating it as the all-encompassing horizon that implicates every decision that I make and every decision that we make as a society. And let's be honest, even we, within the household of faith, struggle with that truth. How often do we respond sluggishly or resentfully to the idea that God is calling us and he's calling us to perfection. He's calling us to sanctity and he's doing so in an unbounded, unlimited way. Yes, our desires may be imprinted on our heart, but they can wander. We all know this. And so that desire... That religious sense in us has to be educated, has to be formed. Yeah, we have this. It's imprinted in us from the very first moment of our existence. And it drives us to ultimate unbounded truth and happiness. But it has to be educated. It has to be educated to the extent that I still have a kind of repugnance for this idea that God is the all-determining, ultimate criterion that I can't escape that he is the criterion according to which I study and work and vote and socialize and learn and discover and find a spouse and 
govern our lives together. It has to be educated to the extent that I see a clear division between my spiritual life and my academic life, or my spiritual life and my professional life, or my spiritual life and my relationships. To the extent that I see a clear division between those and I keep them apart, my desire and my religious sense has to be formed and educated. We have to be reawakened from a kind of flatness, a dullness that infects our lives when they're lived without meaning. We experience this awakening in many, many ways. All of us have experiences of wonder and gratitude where this becomes particularly present to us. I can think back on my last four years as a chaplain here. I can think of watching a desert sunset over Mexico. I can think of stories of some of our missionaries and students returning from a mission trip to Denver, befriending the homeless on the streets. I can think on my experience of pilgrimage this last summer, sleeping in a different bed for the 27th night in a row, or maybe not sleeping in a bed at all, sleeping on the ground in a meadow, awakening to rain falling on my face. The gratitude of being in the presence of good friends who are good people, who want goodness for themselves and for others. A feeling of belonging, not just having a place, but being given away, that, that I'm, I belong to someone else, to others, I'm spoken for. Right? We all have those experiences of wonder at something very simple, and then a gratitude that follows very quickly. Even if it's just the gratitude of a late morning sleeping in after a hard week of studies or work or practice. Those experiences of wonder and gratitude reawaken us to reality. And we are all too willing to stay sluggishly unconscious. So too, I think, in those experiences of wonder and gratitude, we acquire a kind of wisdom. Or at least the beginning of wisdom. And the promise that we hear in the scriptures today is that those who remain close to God, who are awakened, acquire a kind of early wisdom, a wisdom beyond their years, so that those who are 18 or 22 or 38 or 83 are wise beyond their years. They acquire a wisdom that surpasses an ordinary human wisdom. And I think above all, the scriptures are pointing out to us that this is what happens in the Eucharist, in the Mass. The Eucharist is this moment of encounter where we are reawakened and recalibrated and our desire is educated. We experience this both in the Mass and in times of prayer before the Lord, present in the Eucharist, present in the tabernacle. That was the case for one such student last year at our awakening retreat. We do individual benedictions at the, at the holy hour that we have. And this young man, as he was kneeling there, and I prayed over him with the monstrance, had a vivid experience that Jesus was standing there right in front of him. Not me, but in the monstrance. That he was passing by, and reach out to touch the hem of his garment and be healed. 
That moment, among many others, was a turning point for him, in which he woke up, became alive, and acquired a meaning and a purpose in his life that is still unfolding. And God willing, will continue to do so until he dies. For me, too, the Mass is a time of being re-educated, of having my desires and my religious sense formed. This summer, I learned how to say the more ancient form of the Mass, the form that had been prayed prior to the Second Vatican Council. I began offering it here on the first Saturday of every month, and will continue to do so. I've enjoyed that because there are, well, many of the prayers, all of the prayers are in Latin. They have to be memorized, some of them. And I noticed how differently I approached Mass because these prayers that I was reciting forced me to pay attention to things that I didn't ordinarily have to pay attention to. I'll give you one example. After receiving communion, before distributing it, the priest is to recite this prayer to himself. Corpus tuum domine, quod sumsi, et sanguis quem potavi, et heriat visceribus meis, ut in me non remaniat scelera maculum. All right, I had to memorize that. I, sp- I was driving around in the car with an audio recording of this, just repeating it over and over again, all these prayers that I had to learn. May the, the, your body, Lord, which I have just eaten, and your blood, which I have just drank, stick to my viscera. May they adhere to my inmost parts, that no stain or blemish of sin would remain in me. I I can hardly pray that prayer and mean it, right? How attached am I to my sin? Do I really want to be completely rid of all of my sin? If If I'm honest, no. I have all sorts of little things that I've made my peace with, but being forced to pray that prayer, it's not up to me whether or not to pray it. I have to pray it. And if I'm going to pray it, I might as well try to mean it as imperfectly as I do that. And I find myself thinking outside of Mass, differently about my sins and about my attachment to them. The Mass is a time where we are re-educated and awakened. It's in these acts of wonder and gratitude, it's in these union of the act with the Holy Trinity that we experience in the offering of the Holy Eucharist, that the boredom and the listlessness and the desperate self-distraction of our lives is displaced by interest in my own existence again, in my own experience, and being able to pay attention to what's actually happening. The one who feeds on me has life in me, says the Lord. In the Mass, I discover that belonging to Jesus Christ through membership in the church is the best attitude for confronting my own life for confronting reality as a whole. This is the invitation that we receive today. And as part of that invitation, as a kind of practical application, I want to invite you, if you're here for the first time or if you're returning, to become a part of our community here and to live out this adventure of belonging to Christ in and through the church. So. On the ends of your pews, we have some registration sheets. The gold sheets are for students. The green sheets are for permanent community. Now, I would like for every student to fill out one of these, whether or not 
you've filled one out before. If you're returning, we'd like to have these updated because on the back, we have our service opportunities. Those of you on the ends of the pews, if you could pass these in. To our members of the permanent community, you don't have to fill one of these out if nothing's changed. But if you'd like to update your information, or if you'd like to express some other ways in which you would like to become involved in our community, you can do so on the back and just indicate your name on the front if there's just an update of your interests. So I'll give you just a few moments to fill those out. We do have pencils in the ends of the pews as well, if we need them. And if our ushers could collect those in just a few minutes, that would be great. As you fill those out, just a reminder, this is why we're here. This is why the, the Catholic Church has made an investment in this, not only building and facility, but in our personnel and the opportunities that we have for you here. As limited as they may be, we are looking to intensify and to, and to grow them, to make them more widely available. Because we're not here to just present one option among many. If what we believe is true, if Jesus did uh, enter our own human history, enter our human condition, die for our sins and rise from the dead to conquer death and instituted a church, if that's true, then we owe it to the university, we owe it to the community, we owe it to the world to keep this flame of faith alive. No other option is available to us, no other credible option is available to us if what we believe is true. We offer wisdom, not a worldly wisdom, not a pretentious wisdom, a wisdom that can belong to the learned and to the simple. And we continue to issue that invitation. Let whoever is lacking understanding turn in here. To the one who lacks understanding, wisdom says, come eat my food, drink of the wine I have mixed, forsake foolishness that you may live, advance in the way of understanding. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.